Good morning, family. Hey, it's great to be together and gather together and worship together this morning. I'm Ryan. I'm one of the leaders here who is hopefully seeking to lead in our family by serving our family. I'm excited to continue our series called Empowered, where we're looking at how the good news of Jesus empowers uh, everyday life, how the good news of Jesus empowers us eternally through right relationship with God the Father, through our faith in his son, Jesus Christ. How the good news of Jesus empowers us in the everyday where when we have eternal relationship with God the Father, it changes everything. It changes how we live, our desires, our passions. It changes the everyday. And how because of that, we don't want to keep the good news of Jesus just for ourselves, but we want to share the good news of Jesus with everyone so they might too experience the same thing. So this morning we're going to continue that series and we're going to look at a book called Colossians to do so. So I'm going to pray in a second, but after I pray, if you want to open up to Colossians in the book, uh, Bible under your chair, it'd be page 816, otherwise Colossians chapter one in your app. Let's let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this time and I, I pray that you would use my words, but principally your words to point to the word Jesus Christ and how he tangibly impacts our every day. We pray this in Jesus's name. Amen. So I was watching football the other day, and I saw a commercial for this popular soft drink. Any fans here? Any fans of Mountain Dew? Like, in my humble estimation, this would be the best soft drink okay, ever invented. Now, were I to allow myself on rare, 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 rare occasion, did I say rare, to ingest 78 grams of sugar in one 20-ouncer, this would be the soft drink of choice that I would do it with. Why? Well, it's not like brain rocket science. It's super yummy, right? Mountain Dew is super yummy. And so anyways, coincidentally, my son's in seventh grade. He had a night sleepover. He told me, Dad, I actually had this at midnight, and it calmed me down. And I'm like, sure, right? With that caffeine, with that sugar, I don't know if that calmed you down. So anyways, I was watching football because it's football season, and I saw a commercial for Mountain Dew who had this artist in it. And I don't know if you guys, any of you have seen this artist. Have you guys seen this, seen the commercial with this guy? I forget his name. It's in my notes. But he's an 80-year-old gentleman who does art through boxing. He'll put paint on his boxing gloves, and that's how he does art. It seems pretty cool. I want to look him up more because, I mean, if this were an elective in middle school or high school, wouldn't you be taking this? Right? I mean, this is pretty sweet that this is how he makes a living as an artist. And so anyways, Mountain Dew knows that this is unique, knows that this is cool, that this is original. And so they're brilliant by having him on their commercial because that's what they're trying to portray themselves as. And it's interesting because at one point, the commercial states this. He says it's subtitled because he speaks... Um, He doesn't speak English as his first language. It says, can you guys, anybody read that? I do what I like. And I'm like, Mountain Dew, you are so brilliant. Why are they brilliant? Because that's what we want to hear. I do what I like, right? And this is kind of like that you do you phrase where I've told my kids, I don't want you to say you do you. Because you do you really means I'll be me. I'll do what I want. Say what I want, because, hey, I'm just being me. It's kind of like this next image that says, be you, do you, for you. Right? And this is brilliant marketing, because this is what we want to hear. Make life all about you, meaning us, meaning me. And yet when we do that, 
we wonder why we're not satisfied. Why we're more restless, anxious, depressed, unfulfilled, unsatisfied. You, you name the adjective than ever. Well, could it be that this whole you do you, be you do you, for you is false? And it can't deliver what we as humans really want, a fulfilling life. Maybe it, it could it be that we were never created to have ourselves as the center of our lives. See, as followers of Jesus, what we're going to focus on this morning and what we need to know is how the good news of Jesus empowers us in the every day, in every way. And that's what we're going to talk about. So go ahead and turn to Colossians 1 as we answer that question. Colossians chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 1 and go to verse 6. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Coloss, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints, the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you've already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all his truth. And just as a little backdrop, and then we're going to get into this particular passage, sometimes I think we look at this and we think it's a, it's a book of stories, in essence. Maybe it's real, maybe it's not. I just want to remind us or, or tell you that this is Paul, who you talk about the gospel affecting the everyday. He went from killing Christians to being a foremost leader amongst them. And then what he would do is he would sometimes visit Corinth, Thessalonica, Thessalonica places. He would visit them. Start churches there, meaning people who began to believe in him, and then he'd write back to encourage them. He never did that. He never visited Colossus at this point, but he's encouraging these people who once did not have faith in Jesus, who now do have faith in Jesus, in reminding them of what's already true and reminding them how that impacts the everyday. This is written to real people in a real place with real stories. It's not fake. This is real. So anyways, I want to start off where Troy left off last week. Look at verse 4 with me. Verse 4. Because when I stop reading, I want you to continue. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. And Troy hit on this maybe two, three times, this in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus. And what that means is people who were not in relationship with God the Father through faith in Jesus now were. They'd become Christians for purposes. And I was talking with a sweet sister in Christ this past spring who is here this morning, Rosie. And uh, we were talking, and she was really excited. And she told me, Ryan, I have some great news for you. I said, oh, yeah, what is it? She's like, I'm born again. And we don't use that term a lot because it has some connotation in the wider world. But the concept is amazing, and the spiritual truth that it contains of becoming a Christian is amazing. And I'm like, Rosie, you've got to share your story. And so thankfully she said yes. So I'm going to show you a little bit of video with Rosie in it. I think how my story, how I became born again, is my small group. We were covering the Acts 1 and 2, and it spoke about being born of the Holy Spirit. And I was questioning, what is that all about? I used to think it was maybe something that was kind of um, culty or like reincarnation, that you died and you came back as a different person or animal or something. So the members in my small group, my Bible study group, 
were able to really tell me a lot about it and encourage me to do the process. They said all of them were willing to help me and when I came to back to group and said I think that I experienced it, they were so pleased with me too and we were happy uh, together like a family. When I think about being born again now, what I think about is it's, it's, it's almost like I've become a Christian. I've been coming to Kettlebrook for 10 years and um, yet I don't know that I really felt that. But now being born again, I feel like I have Jesus Christ in my life. I, I have um, the realization of my sins and uh, that I can be forgiven and saved by Jesus. Um, it's just like a, a new life, like a, like a, a really a Christian. Boy, now when I hear the word born again, I am aware of some of the things that uh, either the small group had told me or I went and did some <clears throat> research on it. And now I, I realize there's steps to it, you know, like where you um, acknowledge your sins and ask forgiveness to Jesus and to acknowledge that Jesus died for our sins and to thank him for that and to develop more of a relationship with him and, and to read the gospel more and just just be a, more of a fuller Christian. Yeah, isn't that amazing? That's amazing. And, and Rosie's process might look different from other people's process. There's no one process. But what Rosie was getting at is she became a follower of Jesus. And as she said, think about that. How many messages that Rosie had heard? And I, and I feel like I talk about this a lot. Think about how many groups that Rosie had sat in. And it just clicked. It made sense. Here's a couple things I want to point out about Rosie's story that I think are so cool. One, is, is God ever done with us? God is never done with us. doesn't matter whether we're two months or 202. God is never done with us. Another cool thing in Rosie's story is one of the principal players, we'll talk about her small group, but in her small group is her same age, roughly, and who helped her think about and process what it looked like to begin relationship with Jesus Christ. And family, I, I just want to encourage you, if you are retirement age or older in our family, we are so glad you are part of this family. You have so much to give us. Some of us who are a couple years behind you, we have lots of passion, but maybe lack the wisdom that you have that you can give us. We are so valuable. So continue to seek to use your gifts. I, I pray God would encourage you in, in our family, we need you. The second thing that was really encouraging to me is, did anyone catch the context that helped kind of shape and mold and lead Rosie to become a follower of Jesus? Small group, right? And it doesn't matter what the name is. Small group, missional community, discipleship group, triad, huddle. But it was a group of family members who had experienced and come into eternal relationship with God that were then living that out in the everyday so that they could help everyone begin following Jesus. 
And I just know that I've led a lot of groups, and some of you are leaders here, some of you are in groups, some of you might not lead a group, but just in life in general, you're seeking to point people to Jesus at home, at work, wherever it might be. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's slow. Sometimes you don't see what it seems like verse 6 is talking about, the gospel bearing fruit and growing over and over and all the time. And it, and it gets discouraging. You're like, is it worth it? Is, is it making any difference? I just want to encourage you, it is. That sometimes we get to see that. Sometimes we don't. But God is using all of that. So through your faithful, patient leadership, example, pointing others to Jesus, God is working. Sometimes in ways seen, sometimes in ways we can't even see. Don't give up. <laughs> Keep pointing others to Jesus. See, sometimes in, in life we're going to get to experience what the small group experience with Rosie, see people become Christians for the very first time. Sometimes we're going to see and get to experience people growing as Christians day in and day out. Sometimes we're going to get to experience both. But God is working. I want to invite us to consider something, too, and challenge us to intellectually think about something. Um, as I said, Rosie said in the video, 10 years at Kettlebrook, and now she's in Christ. Now she's become a follower. And I remember we were talking, and she said, Ryan, couldn't there be others in our family who aren't in Christ, who aren't followers, who aren't, right? And I said, definitely. Only West Bend. No, I didn't say that. I said, Definitely. So we need to talk. We need to share. So what I'd encourage you to do is to think yourself. I just want you to think about you. And I want you to think, are you in Christ? If I were seated across the table from you and I were to have a conversation, we don't ask these questions a lot on a Sunday, but if I were to say, hey, if something were tragically to happen to you and you'd pass, how sure are you on a scale of 1 to 10 that you'd spend eternity with God? 1, not sure. 10, very sure. We can answer 10, family. We can answer 10. And when we ask why, if you said very sure or you said unsure, the only answer that we can give for that 10 and being sure is because I've placed my faith and hope solely in Jesus. Like that's all it is. And then we can be assured of that, right? I just want to invite you, if you are not sure in that, this is why we do what we do. Right? We don't spend all these resources and all this time and all this energy into gathering here and gathering in groups into trying to be active in our communities just because we're bored and have more time than the rest of the general population. That's why we do it. We do it so that we can help people become in Christ who then in all of life show Christ. Right? And continue that and continue that. So if you're not sure, please reach out to me, process with me, uh, process with a group leader, process with someone who you know, who knows and follows Jesus, but please process with that. Now to transition. Becoming in Christ, it's essential, right? It's eternal, but it's not the end. That's where we've got it wrong in the past. We make that the destination. It's just the beginning. It's just the beginning of following Jesus in the everyday things of life. And so this happened for the lives of the Colossian, Colossian, 
Christ followers. They didn't follow Jesus. They didn't believe in him. They began to follow Jesus. They believed in him. And from the beginning, a follower of Jesus intrinsically knows that this message is to be shared, that this isn't just theirs to keep, but it's to be shared with other people. And, uh, but there's also this struggle. I remember when I first began following Jesus in college that my life changed, and it changed pretty radically and changed in some pretty tangible ways. But there was also this struggle. Because before I was in Christ, I would have agreed with the be you, do you, for you worldview. Life was about me. I did what I wanted, when I wanted, how I wanted. And I answered only to myself. But when I became in Christ, God patiently, through his Holy Spirit, began to show me that even though I had an eternal relationship with him, my sins were forgiven. And even if I had a bad day following Jesus, whatever the bad day looked like in our minds, that didn't change that there were still a lot of ways that Christ needed to shape and form Ryan to be more like him. There still are, coincidentally, right, in the everyday. But he began to show me that, and he was gracious, he was patient. It wasn't like a hammer. It was just like, oh, yeah, God's got more for you, right? I remember, I've shared this before, but I kind of only used to hang out with the cool crowd who would make me look good if I was with them. But then I was like, man, it doesn't seem to be how Jesus acted. He would pursue the tax collector and the sinner and the outcast and the outsider. Maybe I need to. Before I'd only think of myself, but it was like, man, that's not what Jesus did. He did nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, as Philippians 2 talks about. Uh, Before I would hold forgiveness of certain people. And yet God graciously began to show me, man, doesn't seem to be what Jesus would do. Right, And so it was almost like before anyone taught me, like I'm teaching this morning, the Holy Spirit was graciously teaching me this next verse. If you put that up, Jordan, please. Yeah, the next one, please. It's Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, when we become in Christ, the good news empowers us in the everyday and that we go from that be you, do you, for you, and we go to Christ in you, Christ through you, for others. There's a very different mindset with which we approach all of life. I mean, it's almost as if uh, uh, now, as a follower of Jesus, imagine Matt's Jesus. And I just come, and I'm like, like he's leading my life. Before I used to be in charge, I was on kind of the throne of my life. Now he is. And I'm like, man, not in a way I have to even, but in a joyful way. I'm like, how can I love and serve you and live for you? Because you loved me, you served me, and you still, even at the Father's right hand, live for me, pray for me, empower me. There's a radical change in kind of our worldview and our philosophy. And as we experience this together as spiritual family, we're going to see what verse 5 and 6 talk about, the gospel that has come to you. And all over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it's been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. See, the gospel is doing this all over the world. See Sally in Chad, Africa talked about her this summer but the gospel is also doing it right here see our dear sister rosie and others stories we could share i want to 
talk now briefly, what, what could this look like tangibly? There's a million and one ways we could apply the good news of Jesus to our everyday normal lives, but I'm going to choose three or four. Okay, example one. I remember another story of a family member who was struggling and struggling maybe financially, different things like that. They had a need, right? Another family member heard about that, was made aware of it, and they, I guess, they had to believe everything they have is God's. Uh, The only reason I have is because God has given me. God gave his all for me. My wages of sin was death, but he gave me eternal life, the wages of eternal life. So I'm going to be generous with what I have. And so they helped out. And they said, that's what family does. It's true. Right? That's what family does. We're spiritual family with one another. That's one way that it looks like for the good news of Jesus to empower us in the everyday. I mean, money's a big deal in our society. We like to do this with it. But the good news of the gospel allows us to share it because Jesus gave all to us. What about if you're a student here this morning? What about if you're a student? You'll find yourself on various clubs. You'll find yourself on various sports teams. You'll find yourself in lunchrooms. find yourself in classes, uh, lots of places. And you know, things haven't changed from when I grew up. That there's sometimes insiders and outsiders. There's sometimes cool and society would label as not cool. There's athletic, there's non-athletic, and there's everything in between. Brainiac, and I mean, there's all these labels we put on people, right? But what if you, as a student, you said, you know what? I'm going to allow the good news of Jesus to impact me in the everyday, and I'm going to be different. Maybe when others gossip or speak poorly about someone else, I'm not going to join in, even if I'm in that friend circle. Or I might even actually advocate and stick up for them. That person who's an outsider and maybe someone doesn't want to sit with them during lunch, I'm going to do something socially could cost me. And I'm going to take the brave and courageous step, and and, and I'm going to sit with them. Maybe you're on a sports team, and you could reach out, and when you partner up to do drills, uh, you include that person the person who's not picked first. Maybe even invite them over to your house, form a relationship, form a friendship. Not because it's what everyone else would do, but because God puts it on your heart that that in that situation is what Jesus would do. Right? Because we too were the outsider who Jesus came and pursued us. That's not the epitome of following Jesus every day, but it's one way the good news of Jesus could impact the every day. What if also, um, I have a brother in Christ who, probably as much as anyone else I know, is always willing to lend a helping hand. You know these people, you have these people in your life who, if you need help with something, they're there. Now, my brother in Christ, he, he has a lot of responsibility in life and work. Big time job, big time responsibility. Um, he doesn't have more time than I do. Probably has less time than I do. Maybe less than you, maybe more than you. It's all relative, right? But continually, this brother's like, I'll help, knowing that that's going to take away from things that they need to do, knowing that that's going to take away from time that they have for their things. But they're like, you know what? I'm going to help in this situation. And they do. And I'm like, man, that reminds me of Jesus. Continually willing to serve, give life as a ransom for many. That's inspiring to me. Maybe I have another brother in Christ, a friend of mine, who is continually 
there for people when things come up. Like more than me. I look at them and I'm like, that is Jesus. That's a picture of living out the, the message of Jesus in the everyday because when someone needs something, they're there like yesterday and repeatedly. That's not the epitome of following Jesus, but that's one way the good news of Jesus affects the everyday. What about also if any of you have people who are harder to love in your life? Could be in our home, could be in our workplace, could be at school, could be in our neighborhood. And it would be easier just to kind of ignore, cast off, (laughs) avoid. But what if instead, because we know that we're hard to love sometimes if we're honest, but God doesn't do that to us, that we could lean in and do that with others and truly love them and seek to point them to Jesus. Because God did that. He, well, we were still sinners, Romans 5, 8. Christ died for us. Now, you know what? One of, the, one of the coolest things about having the role I have in our family is I just used like four examples. I could list 404 stories. We get to hear story after story after story after story of how the good news of Jesus is affecting everyday life in this family. So please don't hear me saying we're not doing this. Let's keep doing it. And don't be confined to the examples I give. Let's continue as God puts on our heart and our minds what we need to step in and do something about. We just recently learned about a neighbor who's got serious illness. Well, what's God going to lead us to do? Hopefully help. Hopefully help in ways we can. Right? Why? Because we follow Jesus. Now, I want to close. Uh, you, did you guys receive this when you walked in? Did you guys get this sheet of paper? Can you pull that out for me quick? What we want to do is we, we want to resource you and not just talk about things, but also give you tangible ways to think about following Jesus. Uh, if you look at the left here, if you don't have one of these, uh, raise your hand and maybe, Libby, would you be so kind as to pass those out to the aisles? And thank you, Ed, for helping out. So if you look at the, the left side, it's called the blessed grid. There's nothing magical about this. Okay, This is not the good news of Jesus Christ. It could be changed. It could be adapted. That can't. But it's called the blessed grid. And these are just rhythms following Jesus. You could put different rhythms in them. These are ones we've landed on that we're going to try and teach on. On the left is bless, listen, eat, share, Sabbath, slash celebrate. In this first column, think about you and God. Second column, think about you and others. In a group you're in, in spiritual family. In this third column, think about you and the world. So those outside our spiritual family. Okay, You and God, you and others in our spiritual family, you and the world, others outside our spiritual family. And all this is, is one side of how you could think about proactively seeking to follow Jesus in the everyday life through living that out for the upcoming week, the upcoming month. And the other side is prayerful reflection on maybe this past week, maybe this past month. How did I do for that? Now, a couple things. Don't get hung up and you have to like, some, some of us, myself included, like we want to complete the assignment, the task. So I need to do A, B, C, one, two, three, mouse, right? right? So we have to do everything on this. Use this to where it's beneficial and how it's beneficial. And in ways that it's not, don't use it, okay? Use it to help you follow Jesus in everyday life. 
don't be burdened by this to where it's cumbersome to follow Jesus in everyday life. But this is just something that I thought is super tangible. How will I listen to God in prayer and his word? What's my plan to feast on God's word? How will I speak to God in prayer? How and when will I rest? I mean, that's pretty tangible stuff. Who will I love by listening to their story? Who will I share a meal or drink with? Who will I intentionally speak? I mean, it's pretty practical, right? And you might not be able to answer the questions right away when you read them, but pray about it. Ask God to show you. And again, if it's helpful, use it. If it's not, pitch it. Use your own. It's not about any one way to follow Jesus in the everyday, but this is just a helpful tool that I found. So in closing, our prayer would be that we as spiritual family would be able to experience people becoming in Christ Jesus. The gospel affects eternity. We're family. That we would be able to experience people allowing Jesus to increasingly lead their lives. They would submit their lives. They would follow his lead. Together we would do that as followers of his. And so that with the emphasis that both globally and locally the good news of Jesus would not just be for us but they would share it with others, that we would help others follow Jesus. The good news of Jesus undergirds us being a family, followers of Jesus, helping others follow Jesus. We pray with me? Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this family. Thank you, as I said, for, for all the ways I could share of how they're seeking to allow the good news of Jesus to impact the everyday. Thank you for Rosie's story inspiring us of how she became in christ it began an eternal relationship with you how her small group played a part in that father continue to encourage our hearts that as we seek to follow jesus every day we don't have to be perfect because he is but god in the midst of what we can see and what we can't see just as was happening in colossians chapter one is happening now that the good news of jesus is is bearing fruit and growing both globally and locally. Empower us today, we pray.